This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. eBay Motors is here for the ride. Remember when you first saw the potential? And then through some elbow grease, fresh installs, and a whole lot of love, you transformed 100,000 miles and a body full of rust into a drive that's all your own. Look to your left. Look to your right. It's official. No one's got a ride like this. There's nothing else that sounds like, feels like, or looks like the set of wheels in your garage. With over 122 million parts, you can make sure your number one ride or die stays running smoothly, so there's no limit to how far you can take it. Brake kits, turbochargers, engines, exhaust kits, roof racks, LED headlights, bumpers, whatever your baby needs, eBay Motors has it. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, it's guaranteed to fit your ride the first time, every time, or your money back. Plus, at these prices, well, you're burning rubber, not cash. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. Yo, it is another edition of the High Host Podcast. It is an, oh no, Aaron Altair got sent down to the minors emergency edition. And yes, the only person saying, oh no, is with me right now, Jack Fritz. What's up, Fritzy? I just hope people uh, are thinking of me. During this tough time, um, you know, tough times don't last. Tough people do. And I hope that Aaron Altair is, is factoring that in. And I just want to say that people forget that, that Brett Myers got sent down during the 2008 season. And he came back and he was the key cog in a World Series run. So while it looks right now like it's a bleak situation on Aaron Altair Island, it's actually it's it's going to be okay because I – was, was hoping that he got sent down because I, I just felt like he's a timing hitter. He has to get his timing down, and he just wasn't going to get that up in, in the major leagues. It just wasn't going to happen. He wasn't going to get playing time. But now, go down there, get some ABs, come back, and be this team starting right fielder for a World Series run. That's what I'm. That's what I'm. That's where I'm at right now. You know, I bet a lot of people were tuning into this podcast <laughs> thinking like, "Oh wow, Jack's going to be super depressed and like his baby just got sent down." I'm not. I'm not. Because guess what? This is all about the comeback for Aaron Altair. So I'm good. I'm, I'm good. I'm doing well. Altair Island is, is, is starting to bear some fruit because he's going to go down there and bat at least 330 with like four homers, come back up, and save the season. Boom. Podcast started. It must be something to live in your weird, twisted brain, man. It, <laughs> must, it must be something. Um, Nick Williams wants to know how his ass tastes, first and foremost. Um, can I say also, one more, can I say one more thing? <laughs> can I say can I say one more thing? Wait I'm actually I'm I'm actually really enjoying Nick Williams now that I've I'm trying my best to put my brand aside and just watch and react to what I'm seeing. I'm trying to evolve myself. It'd be I, a good thing to do. Yeah, I've enjoyed I've enjoyed the Nick Williams uh, uh, experience recently. It's pretty good. But, yeah, welcome on board. Oh, you you were on my side a month ago. So how would you calm uh, down? Longer that well, once Nick Williams, come on, 
Once Nick Williams started playing every day, we've been arguing about it. But I certainly came into this season not expecting Nick Williams to be the better. Okay. Anyway, I've seen a lot of people with the take of Aaron Alter sucks. And I just want to say that Aaron Alter, there was a legitimate reason that people were excited for Aaron Alter heading into the season. The guy batted 270 with 20 homers and a 340 OBP last year. Like, there's a legitimate reason why people were excited for this guy. It wasn't like, you know, we're just throwing stuff against the wall and seeing if it stick. Like, Aaron Altair is, a le- it was, uh, on paper, a legit weapon. Just a, just a really tough season. Um, and, you know, just just chill out on your whole, oh, this guy sucks. Because like, those people just started watching the Phillies this year and didn't see what he's done the last two seasons. Yeah, well, again, just last season. The season before that, he was atrocious because he was injured. The season before well, that, he was good. He's been on again, off again, so maybe next year he'll be good. I don't I don't have high hopes for him coming back and leading the team to victory. Calling Brett Myers the key cog, by the way, to 08 is heresy. It's an outrageous thing to say, and a bat that mattered, but... Um, he outdoled CeCe. What are you talking about? <laughs> no, look, he definitely played a role, but saying he was the key cog, James, I, think, I think he's taking it a step too far. James, he went three for three in the NLCS. Oh, my goodness. And um, I didn't say the key cog. You I did. A key cog. A key cog is a different thing. You said the key cog. That's fine, though. Regardless, look, I think we can safely say Nick Williams is better than Aaron Altair. I think it has For been now. settled. And, and, uh, 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 I think he's better. He's For better. Now. He's For better. Now. One plays in the major leagues. Oh one plays in the minor leagues. All right. So now, so now, uh, we're, so now, we're, using, so now we're using hearsay. That's, not, that's a fact. What are you talking about hearsay? One's a minor leaguer. One's a major leaguer. I'll let that just stand. Um, all right, let's let's uh, let's dive into some other stuff we saw this weekend. We'll get back to Altair and your predictions of his, uh, you know, storybook movie uh, comeback uh, aside. If Nick but, Foles can do it, Aaron Altair can do it. Yeah, here's here's something for you. Nick Foles, way better at football than Aaron oh, Altair that's ridiculous. is at baseball. Way better at football than Aaron Altair is at baseball. Nate, uh, what are you talking about? Nick Foles played one of the great games in, in quarterback history in the Super Bowl, and then also in the NFC Championship game. Come he on. also played like the worst quarterback for the last two weeks of the season, yeah. and Air- most of the Falcons game, and oh all goodness. 2014, and with the Rams. Okay, our next high hope poll <laughs> is going to be Nick Foles, Aaron Altair, and we'll just put it out there, and we'll see who wins that one. All right, buddy. I think right. I got a shot in that one. Yeah, honest. yeah, okay, okay. Um, all right, well, now that we're, we're properly uh, uh, ridiculous on the whole Aaron Altair thing, as, um, you know, we'll see. You, you say he's going to come back and, and be the team's MVP down the stretch. I say, who cares um, <laughs> as far as Aaron Altair goes? Uh, a couple things I do care about. Two out of three against the Padres in first place right now. Big series coming up with the Dodgers. We'll look ahead to that. A lot of storylines, all that stuff, obviously, with that. But first, over the weekend, coming out of the break, nice to see him take two out of three, but a few things potentially to worry about. Let's start with Jake Arrieta because he sucks, Jack. What's going on? Yeah, I, I'm not ready to go that he sucks. I mean, it was I a, know. It was I a know. really. I know. It was a weird first inning. I was well, to well, here's the thing. Here's the thing. He came off the start the start prior his last start prior to the break and you felt pretty good because it was his first good start in a while and then he regresses in the first one out in the first inning alone just gets murdered so what did you see 
Yeah, it was the, it was the, the first inning was just a complete nightmare. Um, it didn't seem like he had the same kind of location. It seems like he got away from that cutter away that I thought was working um, in the Marlins start. Um, but yeah, no, he's just he, he he can't locate the way that he he needs to locate. He hasn't been able to locate all season, and like just watching him is not a fun watch at this point. Like it's just. It's just not. It's it's a bunch of balls. It's hoping that he's in the strike zone, but he's usually not in the strike zone. It's a bunch of nibbling. He doesn't attack guys anymore. It's it's more like hoping guys hit into a, a, a they, they ground out than going after guys and trying to strike guys out. But I thought he made some nice strides in the start before the All Star break, and then I thought he regressed to sort of the mean. But I also understand that the first inning was ridiculous, and when you have to go out in the first inning and throw thirty pitches, it kind of just messes up your whole start. So I kind of I don't want to kill him for that, but it's definitely it's definitely not great. He's the fourth best pitcher on this roster right now, I think. I would I, he, starting pitcher on this roster on the the roster that right now has the best uh, it's the best starting rotation in the National League right well, now. Well, so you're favorite. you're putting Pavetta fifth? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Wow, we'll get to that in a second. Yeah, the brands, the brands really. Wow, are you getting anything right these days, or is it just all all wrong? I told you, I'm on such a cold streak with my takes. Like, I don't, I don't know where to go. Like, now I'm starting to. Maybe I'll just go really hard at defending Nick Williams and Vince Velasquez, and we'll see if we can get it turned around. Maybe I'll just just reverse jinx. I'll just start reverse jinxing everything. That's that's probably the plan. Like, I can, I can turn into George Costanza. Every idea that I have is always the this wrong is good. idea. This is good. Yeah. This is good. It's, it's definitely not great because I, I try to brand myself as like, I know baseball, but everything I think I know about <laughs> baseball is just, it's just turning it's out to be wrong. It's been bad. It's been a bad, uh, ba- a bad streak here. Please luckily think of the, me during these tough times. Yeah. Luckily the Phillies are winning. I hope the 48% or whatever it was of people who agreed with you in our last argument are feeling worse about their position as well. Um, but Fritzy, um, all right. So we talked to Arietta. Let's jump to your guy. Uh, this, uh, let, let's just uh, let's throw you on the cross and let you kind of lay there for a little bit here. As we got uh, Aaron Altair in the minors. <laughs> Nick Pavetta. Wild card Nick Pavetta. What happened? I read a tweet, folks. A Jack Fritz tweet. Almost just, it should have just said, I was wrong. So he's like, okay, uh, maybe you could stick Nick Pavetta in the bullpen. He could be a firearm guy. You could get a starter. Jack, what's going on, man? Well, I, I did not appreciate that little jab. At, at the end there. <laughs> you, you, know that's, you know that's not how I sound. So the fact that you would even <laughs> put that out there is, is just, it's just sad at this point. Um, but you, you said I'm going to throw myself in the cross. And and much like Jesus, I'm going to. <laughs> um, listen, man. Like, I like Nick Pavetta. I think he's. I think no matter what, he's going to end up being a really valuable pitcher. But he seems to go back to. He's going back to Pavetta of last year, where it was like, as soon as things start going wrong, it all starts unraveling. And I thought at the beginning of this season, I thought he kind of put that behind him because. Listen, the first two months, this is what I'm saying. Like, everything looks bad now, and everyone's overreacting to everything now. Like, with Altair, he was great last year, bad this year. Now he just sucks. Nick Pavetta, really, he was the second-best pitcher on the roster for the first two months of the season. Now he should be option to AAA. Like, the, the take started off hot. It's just that everything else has just cooled off. But Pavetta was really good. He was battling. He was. He, it seemed like he was 
uh, pitching with intent on every pitch he threw. And he just hasn't gotten to that point since the Washington start uh, in Washington where it rained and that kind of killed all his momentum because before the rain delay, he was really good. And the only time he started struggling was when it was raining and he couldn't grip his knuckle curve the same way. Um, now, he just it's, it doesn't seem like he's pitching with the same ferocity that we saw early in the season. And I, maybe, this is, maybe it's because this is the furthest he's gone into a season. Maybe it's because the most innings he's pitched yet and he's not uh, mentally strong enough to do it. Uh, once every fifth day, but uh, he's not like the, the the curveball is flat a lot today. It, it sharpened up in like the fourth inning when he when he sat down seven straight. Um, the fastball velocity is fine. It's just that he doesn't know how to pitch yet. Like he doesn't really know how to pitch. And and whereas a guy like Vince Velasquez, I think, is taking a major step forward from the from the learning how to pitch category. Whereas Nick Pavetta is kind of just the same guy. So my main thought process behind Pavetta is that, listen, maybe you can kill two birds with one stone. Go get a J hat. Go get a reliable four or five option uh, and then put Pavetta in the bullpen. And I think it makes your bullpen deeper and better on paper right off the bat. Because then you have you have Pavetta that can come into any situation. If you put him in the bullpen, I mean, James, he's going to be up to what, 97, 98? With a with a curveball slash slider that's just gonna fall off the table, like I think that's a legitimate weapon that put put in the sixth, seventh, or eighth inning and kind of develop into the fireman guy. If you're gonna leave Sir Anthony as your ninth inning guy and then let Nishek be Nishek, I mean it's unbelievable. Like Nishek is is the worst, but he's also the best in that like no one squares him up at all. Like uh, the the hardest ball I've ever hit seen hit off of Pat Nishek was, was I think by Freddie somehow and it went right over Adubel's head and I think Adubel was even shocked like he's never seen a ball actually hit to the warning track off of Pat Nishek who Pat Nishek still has not allowed a run at Citizens Bank Park in his entire Phillies career uh I just want to know how Nick Pavetta is going to start the wild card game if he's pitching out of the bullpen I don't well see. he could be he could, hey I don't hey see I don't I just, see how that's going to work can I can we reference uh, last year's wild card game between the New York Yankees and the Minnesota Twins, James? Who started that game? Um, I don't remember. Luis Severino started that game. How many innings did Luis Severino go? Uh, but none, right? He went one inning. And one guess inning, who? Yeah. Guess who saved the Yankees' ass that day? It's a Chad Green. It was Chad Green. Yeah. Guess who's going to do that this season? Nick Pavetta. Nick Pavetta wants Aaron Nola to <laughs> up. So there we go. Wow. That was a terrible take. Nola's going to oh, be dominant. It's, it's, just um, that, it's just that I – listen, you are going to learn, James, that I have a spin zone for everything. The Altair thing. They oh, I've learned. Myers, oh, I've learned. <laughs> yeah. Well, also, another guy you hated who now you're in love with is Vince Velasquez. You mentioned that. He was awesome today. Velasquez really looked really, really, really... I, I thought for me one of his best starts of the season just in terms of the way he worked. At, you know, we kind of talked before about Arietta and how brutal he is to watch. And, and you're totally right. And he can't go back and, and get any swing and miss stuff when he needs it. He just doesn't... He's not fun to watch. Velasquez was fun to watch today. And he's someone who usually it works slow and can be frustrating. We've talked about the nibbling... Uh, really, the last few starts, he's worked quicker. He's throwing strikes. He's trusting his stuff. It's swing and miss stuff. Uh, I was really impressed with Velasquez today. Yeah, and maybe they just have to tell Vince Velasquez every single time he pitches that he's facing the Padres. Maybe then 
he'll be unhittable and develop into the guy that we all thought we had when he came over here from the Astros. But I just think Velasquez is, has taken a mental leap um, more than a whole physical leap. And I, and I, I, I still think he's, he's throwing this pitch that's like between 89 and 92 miles an hour that when he throws at 92, moves like a, moves like a nice two-seam fastball that he can start at the hip or start at the shoulder and it comes back over the plate. And then he also pitches, or he also throws like an 89 miles an hour pitch that just falls falls off the table, kind of like a changeup. I wonder if he has the same grip, and he's just widening his widening his grip on either one of those pitches, and then trying to throw them the same. You know, sometimes when you have a a two seam fastball and you want to throw a BP fastball over for a strike, but you don't want it to be the same exact miles per hour as your regular two seam fastball, you'll you'll widen the the grip on the ball here on the outside of the seams, and it kind of comes in and dips a little bit at the end, but it's like three miles an hour softer. So theoretically the batter is thinking that that's softer and he gets a little bit out in front of it and doesn't make as hard of contact. That's the idea behind a BP fastball. I wonder if he's doing the same kind of thing with his fastball because he'll throw the 97 or 95 to 97 fastball straight. Um, and then he'll, he'll mix in that little two seamer and he's really been good at locating that curveball. And there was a sequence today. I forget who he's facing. But he started him off 0-1. Oh, he's tr- facing Travis Janikowski. 0-1, dropped a curveball, and a get-me-over curveball. And Janikowski wasn't even looking for it. was way out in front, didn't swing, was caught completely off balance. And I'm sure Janikowski was thinking, guess what? Fastball's coming here. I'll sit on it. Uh, Vince dropped another curveball in there. And Janikowski took a little emergency hack at it. And then I think Velasquez went, um, I think he went like fastball away. And I think he went fastball up, and it was game over. Like he's he's taking a mental leap in his pitching ability. And I think it's it's really been fun to watch. Like I wasn't a Vince Velasquez guy, but it was more because I seemed to work all the starts and his starts took like four hours. But yeah. when I don't have to work his starts, I really am enjoying him. And I just think he's taking a nice little leap forward here and I think he's learning how to pitch and uh I I'm excited for him. Yeah, he's been he's been great. He really and a start by start basis has been really consistent, especially as of late. And again today, I thought he was awesome. I thought his stuff just kind of jumped off the screen. And yep. um, again, not a good Padres team, but fun to watch. And uh, again, certainly a lot better than Cy Pavetta, who could have seen that coming. Well, uh, well, and also what he's doing is that. You know his fastball is it's an elite. It, it measures out as an elite fastball, and, and the eye test backs it up. It's really hard to square up, but when you're able to locate the curveball and you're able to get that over and get that into the back of a hitter's mind, then they can't. They major league hitters will hit 95 to 97, no matter how elite it is. But the fact that he can get that over now and then couple that with a 95 mile an hour fastball, it makes the fastball look like it's 100 miles an hour, and it's just. It, he's 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 becoming harder to square up over nine innings, and it's I'm I'm really interested to see how the rest of the season goes. You mentioned Nishak before. Obviously, it's been huge having him back. Yet to give up a run this season. Obviously, for the Phillies, hitting in six or seven innings of work so far. So uh, again, you can see it. Uh, it's fun to watch him pitch. He is such a obviously the submarine type guy. We don't get to see a lot of those guys, but another guy's kind of someone who stood out to me in the pen lately, and is offering something that that they really haven't gotten a ton of this season, which is effective left-handed relief. I've been digging Austin Davis, and we talked a little bit about this last pod as well, but 
I just think he's good. And he look, he had a nice weekend, got the win on Friday. I think an inning in two thirds, three strikeouts, another inning in a third with three strikeouts today in game one. Uh, what do you think of Austin Davis? Cause he's not someone who came up with any fanfare or anything like that, but at least certainly over the last few weeks has been really consistent for this team. Well, I think he throws strikes and I, I think he'll come in and at worst he'll throw strikes. I still think his fastball is pretty flat. Um, and it's not like any of his breaking, breaking stuff is that unbelievable. I, I think he's good. I'm not going to get like super excited about him, but I will say that coming in and being able to throw strikes, like I'll, I'll take that out of the pen. So sure, he does that. Yeah, it's interesting. It seems like Gabe likes to use him first out of the pen a lot. Uh, I don't know if you've noticed that. It seems like he's usually the first guy out of the pen when he yep. does work. I also wonder if there's anything to the like concept of bringing in a lefty as your first reliever out of the pen if a righty is starting or vice versa. If there's something to, and again, you know, they're playing the matchups more often than not, specifically the the hitters coming up. But I wonder if there's something to seeing a, a different, you know, look coming at you uh, in that spot after five, six, seven innings or whatever it is of that first look. That could be uh, potentially something that I think is uh, an interesting theoretical discussion to have. Uh, from an offensive perspective, Odubel had a nice weekend, had the big home run today in game two to put them up one nothing. Reese Hoskins getting it going with a homer in each of the games today. He could have had. He could have had. Reese got screwed. He was <laughs> he was smoking the ball. The 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 liner to third base that was a great play. He had the uh, Janikowski stole the home run from him. Another like hit was caught in the outfield. I'm with you. Hoskins Hoskins about to bust out. I think here. Yeah, we're about to see another classic Hoskins like. Homer surge will hit. He'll hit like five and seven games. He could have had. He could have had four homers today. He had two. He could have had at least four. Oh yeah, and and I I said uh, I think he's gonna have one of those like ten to twelve homer months, and he's gonna kind of help carry this offense. He was um he was he had a great weekend. Santana too getting it going. Hit the home run on Friday, starting to get it going. We had talked in the last podcast about Santana slumping a little bit as of late. It was nice to see him come out. And get that home run. Nice to see him leading off in game two as well today. We've talked about that a fair amount. The idea that not really your prototypical four hitter. So seeing him at the top of the line was something I like to see as well. Anything else that kind of stood out to you from this weekend before we look ahead to what's coming up, Jack? Uh, Tommy Hunter had an easy inning, which was crazy to me. I didn't think that was possible. Came in Friday and pitched really, like, really well. And, and maybe we're getting a little second half Tommy Hunter. I just, I, I'm not saying I believe in Tommy Hunter, but I just, I will say that the guy was good last year. He has too good of stuff to be as horrible as he's been. And I don't like Tommy Hunter, but I, I just wonder if maybe we can get a nice little second half surge here from Tommy, Tommy Hunter. And James, I don't know if you're with me, but I'm starting to not feel terrible every single time the bullpen has turned to with this team. Yep, five and two-thirds shutout on Friday when they needed it. Um, look, they've been one of the better bullpens in baseball over the month of July, which is kind of hard to believe. But um, they had that really rough stretch, June, end of June, all that. But I I'm with you, Jack. I think we're at a point where you start to trust them a lot more, obviously. I mean, Sir Anthony, if he's rested, he's one of the more unhittable guys in the league right now. And at Nishak, as you mentioned, I just feel so confident with that guy coming in in any spot and getting outs. 
I'm with you. I still think they're going to fortify it. Obviously, the rumor we heard the most this weekend, it seems like Zach Britton, the next kind of hottest name to go in the bullpen market. You and I have both talked probably far too much about Zach Britton, but I don't love the concept that it seems that every team that needs a reliever is in on it. But ultimately, do you think they end up doing something to, to still, you know, we've kind of talked about it, but I feel like whether it's Britain or or something else, a Michael Givens in Baltimore, we've heard that name, Fernando Rodney, Soria, you still feel confident they're going to upgrade this pen even though it's been pitching so well? Yeah, I think they're going to do something, and I don't think it's going to be a big move. I don't think they're going to risk anything of the future. I think they saw Manny Machado, and they they were thinking maybe we'll go all in, see how, see how well we can do it. We'll get Machado and Britain and just see if we can maybe make a run here. They struck out on Manny Machado. I don't think they're going to go after Britain. And I think they're just going to... I don't think they're going to give up anything significant at the deadline. And just maybe bring in some guys to, to help fortify the pen a little bit. Like Craig Stammen. Um, he'd be an interesting name. I'd be, I would love to get Kirby Yates from that team. I think he's a good pitcher. Um, um, but I think, I think they need to add a bench bat. I would, I would be really intrigued on bringing as Dribble Cabrera here. Like, I wonder how much it would cost, but the guy's been a, a consummate professional forever now. He's having a really good season. I know it's a bit of an outlier, but I think worst comes to worst. He can play all three positions on the infield, um, and he can give you a legitimate veteran bat off the bench. I think he'd be a, a, a nice addition to this team from a veteran standpoint, uh, and they're linked to him today. So I, I would be in on a triple Cabrera. I don't want. I'm so out on Whit Merrifield. Like, did you see the the package they're asking for? No, I figured with him having three more years of control, it wouldn't be cheap. So I, I I'm with you on that. I, I'm it's not like, giving him anything. It's expensive. like two, it's, it's two top fifteen prospects and a and a major league player, basically. Yeah, that's is, crazy. That's what I saw. That's ridiculous. That's crazy talk. Yeah, I'm with right. you. So yeah, I think you kind of summed it up nicely. I think they're looking for a platoon bat, a bench bat, someone who they can fill in at a lot of spots. And and to fortify that pen, whether I think Yates probably will, um, you know, look, I would love to get Kirby Yates as well. I don't think that's going to end up happening. But there are a lot of names out there. Like you mentioned, you know, Stammen's an interesting name. Michael Givens is an interesting name. Um, Givens Anthony, is really good. He's had a terrible year, though. Yeah, he's a good pitcher, though. And he's cost-controlled. Anthony Swarzak is a name you could see getting dealt. You know, maybe they could get... Cabrera and Swarzak in a deal. Tyler do you like, Clippard. Do you like Cabrera or no? Yeah, look, I think Estrubel's fine. I, I think he is what he is. He's uh, he's not a huge upgrade really at any spot, but um, I, I'd certainly feel more confident with him coming to the plate in a big spot than Kingery or someone like that. Um, but regardless, I, I still, uh, it's not a monster upgrade, and I don't think it would cost too much again. I, I think Estrubel's fine. I, I think, like you said, his season a bit of an outlier especially at his age and, and what he's done recently. But uh, look, he's fine. I think Estrubel's a nice a nice guy to get. Uh, they need they need a bat that you can count on. Jess Small Valentine is uh, is not, you know, moving the needle at all for me. Estrubel's a switch hitter as well, would you like? Yeah, I'm with you. I think Estrubel's a nice, a nice target. It's going to be interesting as these next, uh, what are we at, the 23rd. So we got eight days, you know, starting tomorrow, eight days till the deadline, Jax. So we're obviously going to be, all over that. If the Phillies make any moves, we'll uh, have an emergency pod. As uh, of course, if we're gonna have an emergency Aaron Altair pod, we'll <laughs> have an emergency pod for any trade. 
Don't tell anyone we were already going to record tonight anyway. All right, nope. Fritzy, uh, let's look ahead here. As a seven-game week of baseball, we will not have to go a day without baseball this week, which I am a Thank God. huge fan of. Thank God is right. We need more seven days weeks. I, I know it's tough for the players, but I need it. I think I think the ballpark was so full on Friday night because I think people legitimately missed baseball. I hope you're right about that, Jack. And then look, I speaking of full, it's going to be full the next three nights. We're going to see a full Citizens Bank Park. So many reasons for people to go down there. Obviously, the one that stands out the most, potentially, assuming there is not a, a playoff matchup in Philadelphia between these two teams, the last time Chase Utley will set foot on Citizens Bank Park as a Major League Baseball player. Jack Fritz, sum up what that means to you. What's the emotion going into that as, as Utley returns and and it'll be interesting too to see what uh what you know kind of how Dave Roberts handles it. We talked a little bit about that last time. I think um, I think you know you get him in there. Uh, you try and get him in every game if you can, at least as a pinch hitter or something. But um, how do you feel about Chase potentially returning for the last time? Man, it's uh it's the end of an era. Not the end of an era. Like it's kind of been done. Um, but Chase is listen, man. I grew up right when Chase was at the height of his powers playing baseball and every single time, you know, we'd go to practice, my coach would say, Hey, do you see what Chase did last night? Because he was the, the ultimate, that's how I want my guys to play guy. And he was the perfect guy for young kids to look up to Went about his business. Wasn't showboaty. Um, was a really good player. was a heads up player. You know, when you're, when you're standing in the infield, your coaches are always telling you, um, think about the play coming ahead. Like, what is what is your job? And, you know, I've, I've listened to so many things about the 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 Yumi the, Ura, or the, the, the fake toss to first throw to home to get Jason Bartlett. Mm-hmm. Um, and just how he was thinking about the scenario in his head the whole time. And I think that's just crazy. So if you're, if you're, if you're a young ball player growing up watching Chase Utley, I don't think there's a better guy to watch in the entire game than Chase Utley because – Runs the bases amazingly well. Um, goes about his business the right way. Chase Elliott was perfect. He's a perfect baseball player. And the fact that we got to see him for a decade plus was was a treat. And um, and I was there two years ago when he hit the two homers. And, yes, I stood for both of them very proudly. I don't care. Because, to me, Chase Utley meant more than Cam Rupp. Sorry, Cam Rupp. But <laughs> Chase Utley... Chase Elliott having a moment at Citizens Bank Park was more important than that team that year. So, um, yeah, it's going to suck. Uh, I, I, Chase Elliott's good for baseball. I know Mets fans don't like to hear that because he's, he broke a crappy shortstop's leg. But um, he's, he's a good model for how baseball should be played. And there's not many guys like him anymore. Yeah, you should get off my lawn there with that, Fritzy. Um Look, no, I think uh, the way he played baseball is is a great point, and the way he went about his business, and and really that that work ethic that he had, and it's kind of funny when you look at it because that team had so much success, and and obviously for you, for me, for a lot of people, the only Philadelphia Phillies title of our lifetime, and we will forever love all those guys. Uh, you know, the the whole team from the Burles to the worst to the you know, Jeff Jenkins to Eric Bruntlitz, all those guys. But, you know, obviously those big four are the ones that matter the most with Hamels and and then, of course, Utley, Howard, and Rollins. And, 
it's just wild that that of that group you've got you know a charismatic personality like jimmy you've got you know the the most awesome home run hitter of a generation or one of them of a generation a uh, the guy who ultimately really was the biggest reason for that playoff run and them winning the world series in hamels in terms of just that specific run and then and then the guy who never says a word but just because of the way he went about his business, the way he played was by far the most popular. And I think that really speaks volumes because, um, you know, in a lot of cases, I don't think he's the most popular guy. But in this city, the way we are with the work ethic and the blue collar and the, and all that stuff, I just think he was a perfect fit for this city. And um, I'm with you, man. It's going to be it's going to be a, a bummer to see him leave the game. But I hope Dave Roberts finds a way to get him in and get him a chance for each of those three crowds to, to honor Utley uh, in whatever way they want to. I'm sure he will, uh, he'll definitely start one of the three games. And, and I think Roberts gets him the chance to pinch hit or pinch field or, or whatever it is. Um, big series though, in general, Jack, I think the other, obviously another storyline, Manny Machado, I don't know how you feel about that, but I feel like it's not his fault. He got traded to the Dodgers. Everyone be nice to him. So he wants to come here, but uh, more than that, Fritzy, a big series here. The Dodgers in first place in the NOS at 55 and 44, half game worse than the Phillies at 55 and 50 and uh, 43. So it's a big series here. Eflin versus Stripling tonight. Ross Stripling, one of the the big surprise stories in the National League. How good that guy's been. Nola versus Maeda tomorrow, and then Jake Arrieta versus Rich Hill on Wednesday. The day game. That one. You're a little worried about Arietta, but you have Eflin and Nola going in two of the three. You feel good about that. What is um your kind of overall feel on this series here? A big one. Yeah, well, uh, the Milwaukee crowd who had a banner weekend they <laughs> they they booed Machado. So uh, listen, if you even have the we uh, don't want to do anything like the M- Milwaukee crowd. How about that? Let's just uh, not do what the Milwaukee crowd did. If you if you have the inkling. <laughs> to boo Manny Machado, just get up and walk out of the stadium. <laughs> like, like you are an imbecile. That is a, a you are making this fan base look terrible. So, if you even have the inclination of maybe booing Manny Machado, just go to the bathroom or do almost anything else because you are a stupid person. But um, very excited for this series because you know. Um, the Phillies, like, they're pitching really well. They're, I don't know how they keep winning games, but they keep doing it. And, you know, I just think that this is a, this is a series that is going to be covered nationally. It's a very important, it's, it's, a, it's a measuring stick series because the Dodgers got off to a slow start. The Phillies went out there and they played well. Um, but now you have to return home and you're doing it in your home ballpark. In front of what I hope is thirty-five to forty thousand, um, and and you have to go out and show some semblance that you are a legit competitive team in the National League. And I know they had that record uh, during their tough stretch of the season. I know it was a good record, but I I just and this isn't for me and you and the and the listener of this podcast. But I think for the casual fan out there, you know, it's great that they they're beating up on the Padres. They're they're playing all these bad teams and. And, and boosting up their record. But I think for people to really buy into this team, I think they need to come out and have a big series against the Dodgers. Because then it's like, well, if they can beat the Dodgers, 
maybe they are good. Maybe they are legitimately good because I, I still feel like that people think the rug is going to be pulled out from underneath them because how inconsistent the offense is, because of their running and score, the runners in scoring position numbers, um, because of the bullpen, even though it's been better recently. I still think people are a little bit wary to go all in on this Phillies team. Not obviously, but I'm preface this, prefacing this by saying not the high hopes listeners or me and you, but for the casual fan out there, you know, I feel like when they tune in, it's like, wow, frustrating offense, big inning game over. You know what I mean? So this is a, a, a big series from a perception standpoint for me. Jack, here's what I say. I only care about high hopes listeners. All right, Jack, who well, cares so, well, what so anyone else? No, no, no. I'm with no, you. I, 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 I think you make a really good point. Like I, I do agree with your, you're the heart of what you're saying. I think that, from a national perspective, I absolutely do not think this team has gotten the credit a it deserves or b it has earned, and uh, I think this would uh, this series will be viewed as one that that those types of people will be taking a look at to see how the Phillies handle it. Yeah, and I, I and I think you know hopefully they can come out and you know in in big moments this season in big games it's felt like they've crapped down their leg. And I, I just want to see that they're not going to do that. You can do that against the Padres and get away with it. You can go down 4 nothing in the first inning after some of the – like, it's just – you're a Major League Baseball team. Like, what are you doing? Um, you can do that against the Padres and come back and win. Just don't do that against the Dodgers because it's not going to work. And I think people would feel so much better if they come out and play solid baseball for three nights. Yeah, and I agree. But again, like it's not fair to say they've they've crumbled in every big series. I mean, they've played well in some big spots. No, but I'm not talking about that. Like, I'm talking about big game moments, like like the out in Chicago, they they crap the Yankees. Them. I don't know. I know what you're saying, but uh, look, I think it's I'm talking I think about it, big moments. Not like, I gotcha. I got you. I don't know. I I think look. I don't think we'll really know until we get to September. And, and there are real games that really matter with real implications that you can see the end in sight. But, look, I'm with you. I get your premise. I, I think your point makes a lot of sense in the sense that this team is not getting a, a lot of national pub as a team that I think people believe in. And this Dodgers team is. They went to the World Series last year. They went to Game 7. They just went out and got Manny Machado. It's a big series. And, uh, and to that point, even more importantly, cheer for Manny Machado, people. You don't have to cheer hard. Just give him a golf clap. But but don't be idiots like those Brewers fans in so many ways. <laughs> and uh, of a course, banner weekend for Milwaukee. What, 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 yeah, but not great. Not a great look for the whole Milwaukee uh, Milwaukee Nation. Yeah. Fritzy, any uh, any final thoughts for you out of here? Big week again. Uh, three against the Dodgers and four against the Reds. A Reds team that. Over their last like eighty games, it's actually been better than five hundred. Been a really good baseball team, even though the record doesn't show it after an awful start. So not not the cupcake we thought. But um, any final thoughts heading into this seven game week? So I have two final thoughts um, on this glorious Sunday. Tiger Woods is back, and so are the Philadelphia Phillies. And it may have been seven years in between, but we're just gonna forget that those years even happened because. All is right in the sports world now that Tiger is back and the Phillies are back at the same time. It, it, just, it fills my heart with so much joy and really just makes my summers way more interesting. Tiger Woods is one of my favorite athletes of all time. I will always love him. I will always believe he's back. And much like Aaron Altair, <laughs> he's going to be back in a big way. So I was, I was very happy to see that both of my two of my favorite sports entities 
are both are both nationally relevant again and actually good. So it was a big day for me. I was very happy. Even though Aaron Altair got sent down and Nick Pavetta got shit on, got crapped on. Um, mm-hmm. Yeah, seeing Tiger back and the Phillies being back in the same it makes me happy. And here's the other thing. And last night I was I was having a couple of beers and when I for some reason whenever I have beers and I'm just like you know just relaxing. Oh yeah. Yeah, I wake up to a, a, a impassioned text about this. So I I always go down a, a YouTube rabbit hole and I always it always just turns into watching the old Phillies highlights. And I stumbled I stumbled across Ryan Howard's last game as a Philly, and you know him getting taken out and going into the dugout. And Ryan Howard, who is one of the, the best first baseman in team history, the 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 catalyst, the, the guy would put the team on his back for August and September, and and they would ride him to playoff runs. And the guy who was the most feared left-handed hitter in baseball. For four years there, before a, a devastating Achilles injury that ruined his entire career, that guy, an absolute team legend, that is going James. He is going to be underrated at some point. Like it's already happened. I feel like people have forgotten about Ryan Howard. Yeah, I think it's already happened. It's already happened. It's it's, it's ridiculous. And Ryan Howard in his last game as a Philadelphia Philly, as a team icon, as a legend, and as just. An absolute beast, MVP, rookie of the year, you all know it, has to go out and go into the Phillies dugout and get zapped up by Darren Ruff, Tyler Goodell, Jake Thompson, Jeremy Hellickson, all these bums for an absolute cornerstone of the greatest run in team history. I was embarrassed watching it again. I, I felt bad for Ryan Howard because he's people are going to forget about how Freaking good that guy was for seven years before an injury ruined an entire career. What What do you want him to do though? I don't know. Like, Just some like, make it better somehow. Just okay. All right. Calling all uh, YouTube computer whiz type people. Is there any way we can scrub those people out of the video so it could just be Ryan Howard high fiving like? a white space or something or like air or something. What do you think about that? Would that be better? Just the fact that he has to go out and like trying to act like Darren Ruff, Tyler Goodell, and these guys were like <laughs> important in the history of the Phillies. While this guy, what if a... Darren Ruff is his best friend, Jack, did you think about that? Did you think about the human element of it? No, you didn't. Did you buddy? Did no. you? Did you? Right. You're right. I'm the selfish one in this scenario. Yeah, yeah that's right. Yeah. Darren that's right. Ruff. Ryan Howard often said that his career would have been nothing without Darren's support and guidance. Without so. Babe Ruff. <laughs> All right. <laughs> uh, rate and review the podcast. It makes Jack happy. Oh, and I have a final thought. Uh Noah Syndergaard, hand, foot, mouth disease? Really? That's something that babies get and little children. That's like, what is going on in New York with the Mets? You are such a joke of a franchise. What is happening up there? Mickey Galloway can't he, like open a door. Uh, uh, Jacob deGrom's like fighting with ownership. Yoannis Espedes has a heel injury that needs 10 months surgery to require, or he can just say, yeah, I can't play tonight. Uh, 
I might be able to go tonight. Oh, I probably can't go tonight. I can go tonight. Like, what is going on up there? And now hand, foot, and mouth disease. Is that a real thing that's happening in New York? Oh, I love it. Shout out to the Mets. You're awesome. They are the absolute best. There is nothing better than the New York Mets. Uh, Also, another final thought, because I always have multiple final thoughts. Adam freaking Hazley. It kind of kills the whole spirit of final thought but yeah but you don't there's so much stuff i have to talk about you don't understand how much i you don't yeah and the 40 plus minutes of the podcast before them wasn't a time to get that out anyway (laughs) anyway adam hazley is now walking more at double a and while i'm excited about the home run numbers which are coming but it's also reading so i'm not that excited he is walking more striking out less getting on base and driving in runs. He has been unbelievable at AAA or double A. And I'm I am getting very, very excited. Jack, have you learned nothing from this podcast? You just signed Adam Hazley's, you know, death warrant. Like he's gonna flounder. He's gonna be terrible. The Jack Fritz curse has been placed upon Adam Hazley. It's bad. It's bad. Not cool, man. Andrew Benintendi 2.0. All right. <laughs> All right. Uh, again, rate and review the podcast. It makes Fritz happy. Uh, he needs it desperately. And <laughs> we will be back later this week. We'll talk some some Dodgers series, see how it all played out, and look ahead to the Reds and all that good stuff. So for Fritz, I am James Elzer. We'll talk to you guys later. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can waste another weekend doing the same old whatever or... I can conquer it. I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. Any road. The steeper, the better. Because my all-new Santa Fe is available with H-Track all-wheel drive, so I can hit the trail without a worry in the world. Heck, with three rows and best-in-class rear cargo space, I can pack the whole family in with all our gear. We've got available dual wireless charging for our phones so we'll never lose touch with civilization and we won't lose touch with the primordial power of Mother Earth. So which is it? Waste the weekend or do something a little more epic and conquer it in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe? Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey.